and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. That's a new one. Don't know. Oh, that was a new one. Yeah, those palms open. I don't know. What I, I was. I was writing my was notes. Just, I was caught off guard. Yeah, I, I was gonna raise the roof. Then I, I got, <laughs> got crossed off. Way to raising yeah. the roof, and you realize <laughs> maybe this wasn't the place that you needed <laughs> yeah. to go. Let me adjust my microphone. What an here. absolute mess of a start for me, but that's okay. <laughs> no, we'll recover. It's. it's Stop laughing, Sebi. Is there any way that we can get a re-rack on that? Because <laughs> I kind of am I I don't know. I'm sorry, Jesse. Should I leave it alone? You can tell no, me. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I embrace it. It's entertainment. Okay. I looked over, I saw the I end of it. it, and I wasn't sure if you were adjusting from this I'm to this. I'm happy you burst out laughing. That, that makes me <laughs> genuinely yeah. happy. Yeah, and you know, like, I've been stressed the whole time. we got yeah. a lot of things going on. we got uh, overtime in the World Juniors. we got some basketball. It's like my chair's not you? straight. Okay. I'm going to adjust it. And then I looked over and I saw yeah. what seemed to be a happy dance that was kind of sort of taken away from a happy dance. Yeah. I'm happy, though. All right. Live from the Sportsnet studios in downtown Toronto. This is Despite Tim and Friends. quitting in the middle. I'm Tim. That's my friend Jesse over there dancing. Maybe <laughs> we'll get that re-racked by the end of the uh, first I have a feeling they probably already have it. They're good. Yeah. <laughs> we always appreciate when you jump up and in on social media. <laughs> At Tim and Friends is where you can get Jesse Rubinoff. We're almost always happy when you jump in. There's a few times when you jump in and we don't really like it, but that's another one of those days. All right. This is one of those days. We've got... Seven Canadian teams on the ice last night and some pretty pissed off fan bases. We will discuss and let you vent at Tim and Friends on the socials, as mentioned with your boy Rubinoff. The NHL trade deadline exactly two months less a day away. Mike Feudo will join me to discuss who needs to make a deal most and perhaps Tank Nation, Jesse. I think we need to walk down the Tank Nation road. Maybe we'll do that in first things first. So Feuda in about an hour as Kenny Reed, the bromance. Together, once again, Kenny Reed, Mike Feuda, his contractually obligated Wednesday for Mr. Reed. We'll have that bromance reignited. And we'll also get you set for Canada and the United States at the World Juniors in Halifax with Draft Insider. Sam Cosentino, puck drop for that just after 7.30 in Nova Scotia, 6.30 Eastern. So we have got some time. Settle in, kids. And if hockey's not your thing, we got you covered as well with what feels like a crossroads homestand for the Toronto Raptors. No, not Bone Thugs and Harmony, though I love the song. Just some real tough decisions need to be made surrounding this team before the NBA trade deadline, which is just over a month from today, Thursday, February 9th. We've been telling you this all year, right, Jesse? Yes. Like, this has been one of the things that we have talked about from the start. Like, when I sat down with Bobby Webster and Nick Nurse on Media Day, we talked about how important this year was going to be yep. and given where they are right now with a record of 16 and 21 there are going to be some tough decisions so jesse and i will talk about it we hope that you stick around not just matt devlin in the second hour but we'll tackle it all and first things first with jesse rubinoff so uh let's see what it says grievous vasquez mm. very good oh it's not firing it's not firing because they're too busy trying to grab me dancing. <laughs> first things first. I papa freaks all the honeys. Playboy bunnies. Those That's want our money. fault. That's fully our fault. Do we you have the clip? Okay, no, I understand what you're saying. Oh, do do we rebuild. have the clip? Either one. Jesse dancing and or 
Oh, no. we broke the Everything's system. Everything's broken. They're doing the old N64. Okay, so <laughs> the cartridge. we've pulled out the cartridge. Like, yeah. We're blowing on the cartridge yeah. Put it back and here. hoping for it all to work when it needs to work. <laughs> I'm sorry I broke the system by asking for Jesse's dance one more Take time. Take full responsibility I, yeah, that's for me. that. That's on me. No, I no, that's a domino that. effect. That starts with me. <laughs> starts with me doing that stupid dance, you asking for it. So apologies to the control room. Let's roll with the Raptors who host the Bucks. Tonight in the opener of a season-long six-game homestand. And the Raptors are currently five games under 500, set on the outside of the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference, Timmy. Masai Jiri and Bobby Webster will have some big decisions yep. to make in the coming weeks. So how much will the Raptors' performance in this upcoming homestand specifically mean for the future of the franchise? A lot. And, and we've known this the entire time. Listen, I will say this before we get into the dynamics of whatever we're going to get into. The Toronto Raptors have what is the second easiest strength of schedule remaining in the NBA. As of today, 21 of their final 45 games come against teams below 500. That said, if they don't have another run in them and they don't have a lot of time, as we have mentioned, Thursday, February 9th is the trade deadline. If they don't, then they've got to make these tough decisions. And Raptors Republic Samson Folk had it right when he said earlier today on Twitter, Raptors Twitter is about to splinter in a very polarizing space. Expect a lot of dunk attempts, infighting, ladies and gents, lines are about to be drawn in the sand. And, and perhaps, Jesse, going a little over the top as we've gotten all of our cartridges back into place. Yeah. The blowing on the cartridges works has, all the time. Yeah, has cool worked. Cool. Uh, looks like we've got all of our, our dynamics mm -hmm. back. Perhaps we can, and maybe overly dramatic, but point out what those lines in the sand are going to be. I wrote down four. If I'm mistaken, if I need to add, if I need to subtract, you tell me, okay? Okay, go for it. I got these. Yep. Trade everyone. Okay, yeah. Masai and Bobby failed this team. The 6-9 experiment is no good. Okay. Nick Nurse is being tuned out. And don't worry, they will get healthy. I love my team. Are, are those the four areas? Do I need to add? Do I need to subtract? What do I need to do in order to figure out how these lines well, will be drawn good. in the sand? Now, those are really good. Um, I think there's variations on trade everyone. And I do think that there, there is a subset of the fan base that does believe trade everyone, but I do think that there are specifics when you go into that and you, you go into Yeah, I didn't know how to do that, though, to be honest with you. Like, who's untouchable, you, maybe? Like, trade everyone but... Can I tell you what I'm hearing from the team? Yeah. Scotty Barnes. Trade Scotty Barnes? No. Everyone is... Tradable except for Scotty Barnes. Touchable, yeah. yeah. Careful with that <laughs> yeah. one. Really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this day and age. So why do they age? use yeah. untouchable? Tradable. Why don't you just use tradable? I, I don't know. I, I don't Everyone know. Everyone can be traded. But why do they use you untouchable to, to begin with? Ridiculous. <laughs> so everyone is tradable except Scotty Untouchable Barnes. is used because if you touch them, we're going to punch you in the face. Okay. That's what the touchable okay. is a part of. Got it's it. got nothing to do with what you were thinking. <laughs> but I understand it. It is a weird turn of phrase, and you don't want to use it. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. are obviously the first two dominoes in that to fall and Michael Grange wrote about that today mm -hmm. about the dominoes and he said from sportsnet.ca today you can read it we'll tweet it out for you as one league source who has been monitoring the Raptors situation closely in recent weeks put it Toronto are the first domino what they will do will affect teams across the league Dallas Phoenix Los Angeles Atlanta not about 
Not that it's about deals with any particular team, just that people are going to be waiting to see what the Raptors do before they make their moves. Toronto, good set the market. Right. So that's the part of this, touchable or untouchable, (laughs) that the Raptors fans, the team, has to figure out moving forward, and this is where we're going to draw those lines in the sand. And you're right. Like, there are different levels here, and I just thought it might be confusing to some, but if you want to break it down, it is obviously Gary Trent Jr., he's going to want to raise. Fred Van Vliet, what he does long-term and short-term is probably going to have him opting out of his deal next year as well. Mm -hmm. So there are two free agents by next year if you let them walk, all you have is their cap space that's valuable in the NBA. And then Pascal Siakam. Like, what do you pay Pascal Siakam if he makes another all-NBA team this year at the age of 30, which is what he will be when his contract expires at the end of next season? Yes. I think there are uh, a lot of dynamics to what you just said. Why don't I start uh, with Pascal? And last week we were talking about uh, could he be the guy? And I said he could be the guy. No, no, no. We didn't say could he be the guy. We said could he be the guy on a championship level team, right? And, and I said, he and could. I think that's an important distinction. That's right. why I'm interrupting sure, yeah, you. Sure, no, yeah, that's fine. And that's I've been fine. scolded for interrupting. No, you, no, so no. I'll that's totally up. fine. A very fair um, correction. Um, so I, I do believe that. However, this team is not there, clearly, and, and I, that has more to do with the pieces around Pascal than it does specifically Pascal. His age is a concern, and that's what it comes down to. So when you're evaluating the contract, 28 years old. And that is the same situation, same age as Fred Van Vliet is. So Fred Van Vliet going to be a free agent. We obviously know he struggled this year immensely. It hasn't been the Fred Van Vliet that we have become accustomed to. No. But that is still something that you have to evaluate when trying to decide whether you're going to stick with this guy for years to come. And you can, you can be grateful for everything that Fred Van Vliet has given to this organization. Mm-hmm. And he is a huge part of this culture. He was a huge part of the team when they won the championship. He was an all-star. All of that it can be true. But you can also evaluate how he is playing, look at his age as is the responsibility of Messiah Jerry, is the responsibility of Bobby Webster, and decide that moving forward, maybe it is not in the best interest of the organization to keep somebody at that age playing the way he is playing at the moment long term. And I think that is a very fair thing to look at. So when you're looking at those specific contracts, Gary Trent, Fred Van Vliet, I think you have to genuinely explore moving on. So this was Fred Van Vliet earlier today. He took his bet on yourself tweet from 2016, now six years ago, which is unbelievable, seven years ago, if you want to do the math properly, Mikhail, because I forgot that it was 2023. And added, uh, I don't know whether the snake eyes there, although there's one more dice there, and I guess you don't get to choose which side of the dice rolls, but you get the point here. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, you were talking about Pascal Siakam. I'll clarify here. The Raptors obviously have to examine what they're doing with Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the NBA will be very keen on what they do. Obviously, Freddie Van Vliet has proven if he is healthy, and it seems like that is an if right now, mm-hmm. if he is healthy, he can help a championship team in an immense way with his very smart, very cerebral game. Yeah, no question. Gary Trent Jr., if he's shooting, can help any team. And his consistency probably isn't there. But the Pascal Siakam part of the equation is the Raptors will always do their due diligence. And I think under Masai Ujiri, we know that because of what he did with DeMar DeRozan. 
It was unpopular, it was tough, but it was also the right decision. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying they're actively shopping Pascal Siakam in any way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. but they've got to understand the value and how they want to shape this franchise moving forward yeah would make them walk down the road with other teams what Pascal Siakam is worth, to your point, to start this entire yeah, conversation. I, I think they're at a, at a cross, well, I don't I even know if it's a crossroads. See you at the crossroads. They are at a crossroads. It's just the decisions that it they It might made, not be a crossroad in the end. Yeah. But, they, but it is. They got Yeah. Yeah, they got to look at it like right. it's a crossroads like, for the franchise They have right the potential now. here before this trade deadline to essentially change the entire trajectory of the, the organization for years to come. Like years. Like this yeah. has been the core for a while. And they could theoretically move on from a lot, a big chunk of that core, which would fundamentally change this team. And, and start a rebuild. And start a rebuild. Which so, former it, Tim and yeah. Sid intern Josh Lewenberg said over the weekend, Nick Nurse held individual meetings with many of his players and coaches, conversations that were described as intense and weren't universally well received. Does that play into any of the conversation that we just had? No, for me, me personally, no. I, I don't think it's. That's a Nick Nurse conversation. That, it's I, not yes, a. Yes, because I think what that insinuates is that there's sort of a disconnect between Nick Nurse and either coaches or players, you know, who he's had the conversations with, and that would imply that maybe you know there's a need for a new a new voice. They're not responding. Something's going on. There's friction there, and I guess at some point you would have to choose between the players that Nick Nurse may have an issue with. And the head coach, but I don't. I just don't think it's fair, given everything that Nick Nurse has accomplished in his five years at the helm with the Toronto Raptors, to to look at one year of struggles, which they're five games below 500, right? They're not tanking yet, so I, I just don't think it would be fair yet. Two years of struggle. Three years of struggle. What the tan you're including the Tampa tank? In well, I'm, I'm just asking here. Like these are legit questions. Yeah. I'm not trying to lead you in any way. No, the, tan the tank is a year of struggle. Yeah. They tanked on purpose. Yeah. Because they weren't good enough. Yeah. That's two years of struggle. Yeah. This year, that year, and then whatever you determined last year was. And last year is the one that you tried to figure out, and you thought, well, the way they closed out that year. Great run, 34 and 17. That's what I was looking for in my there notes, 34 Boom. and 17. Jesse Rubinoff off the top of the dome I piece. Absolutely love it. That's why you're the co-host <laughs> of the show. Um, that second half made people believe that this year could be something different uh -huh. than it has been so far. But we also know that their effective shoot goal, uh, field goal percentage shooting last year was in the bottom fourth of the league. Yeah, there's, there's differences. There like, are differences. They, no, they, we knew that they needed shooting. And mm -hmm. to ask Otto Porter Jr. to bear, like, somehow get this them is out ridiculous. of this, yeah, is, this is way too much to ask. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to happen. So it never then, was going to happen. So then what are they? They're not good enough. No, I don't, think, I don't think they're good enough. And if they're not good enough, then what do you do? Do you remember the, the years when, when tanking was like something that was frowned upon. Like, remember the Sixers all those years, the, the process and the, and people around the NBA Yeah, but there was a couple that. teams, that, and the Edmonton Oilers kept getting first round pick after, or first overall pick after first overall pick. Mm -hmm. I think people got tired of that, but I don't think they mind a team making a conscious decision, as we're seeing in Vancouver right now, as we're seeing in Montreal right now, as we're seeing with the Raptors in Tampa. Like, 
fan bases begin to understand. Yeah, it used to be something that was that was frowned upon, but maybe not as much anymore. And that led us sort of to our engager online today on social media. We had the quote, a leak source monitoring the Raptors roster situation, which you mentioned from Michael Grange uh, in his article. Toronto are the first domino. What they do will affect teams all across the league. Toronto could set the market. So we asked, should the Raptors be buyers, sellers, or are you okay with tanking? I feel we should get to a couple of responses here. Uh, Scott says, sell now, ship Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. ASAP. I want to ask Scott a question because mm-hmm. it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you, Scott, but if you trade Fred Van Vliet, and there's been this splinter in the Raptors fan base about Fred Van Vliet, mm-hmm. and people want the media to call Fred Van Vliet out. The reason why the media... And I won't speak for everyone, but the reason why I won't call Fred Van Vliet out is because I know he sets the culture for this team. Yeah. And I know that's an important piece. If you trade Van, Fred Van Vliet, you're going to have to rebuild the culture. And that culture was so hard. Like anyone who was around for the first, I don't know, 20 years of this franchise understands how important the culture was. Yeah. And whether it was Kyle Lowry passed down to Fred Van Vliet, that Bet on yourself. Do you think that they can continue that culture without Fred Van Vliet, especially what you've seen from Scotty Barnes this year? Like, Scotty Barnes, that energy, that good, that smiling kid that you saw last year hasn't been this year. But Fred's here now. So that would be the only thing that it's like, is there something wrong with the culture, even with him here at this moment? If you're seeing that from Scotty in year two. I understand. I think it gets worse when you lose Fred Van Vliet. Right. Before it gets better. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult to rebuild the culture. Like, it, just, it just is. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that if you trade Fred Van... I'm asking Scott if he believes in Fred Van, Viet's, Fred Van Vliet's influence mm-hmm. on the culture. Do you have any other feedback there? I do, yeah. The Couch GM, favorite on the show. Uh, sell and tank, keep Scotty and OG, even though I love them. Move Fred, Pascal, Gary would bring back a huge haul for, the, for them, get a good draft pick this year. And next year, OG can take over with Scotty being the main point guard, obviously. Scotty being the point guard is something that they're experimenting with recently. So, I mean, this is kind of prevailing, but here's Samson who says, uh, Byers, the team is missing a center that can score and play D. We have a few players not naming names that are really good, but seem to need a, a team that plays a different style of ball. What two players do I have in mind for a trade? Still, you have no shooting, Samson. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you get a go at a center, I, I don't know how you're getting space for that center. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about this yesterday. I mentioned, I had this comment that they're, they're not good defensively either. Like, they're in the bottom five in the last ten games defensively. And last year, when they made their turnaround, they were really good defensively. Correct. And if they can't shoot and they can't defend, you're not going to be a very good basketball team. So something's got to give there. Not sure what it is. But can, we'll, we, uh, can we put it up on a poll? Because sure. we're going to go into the Raptors game. It is available today mm-hmm. on Rogers on the Sportsnet family of channels. Uh, so can we put it up on a poll? What do you want the poll to be? Just what you said. Buyers, sellers, let's see what the numbers are. Sure. Buyers, sellers, or tankers? Are the Toronto Raptors buyers, sellers, or tankers? Love it. It's easy enough for me. Okay, we'll put it that. up on a poll. All right, let's do it. Uh, let's move on to hockey now here on uh, First Things First. There's three games on the NHL schedule tonight and no Canadian teams in action. After all, seven played last night with not a lot to show for it. The Jets extended their winning streak to three games with a 3-2 win over the Flames, while the Sens have won four of their last five after a 4-0 win 
over the Blue Jackets. But that's about, to me, where the positivity ended. Although yeah. the Leafs did pick up a point in a 6-5 shootout loss to the Blues, the Oilers, Habs, and Canucks were all on the wrong end of ugly losses, and that was reflected in the headlines on sportsnet.ca. There is plenty of consternation among Canadian NHL fan bases right now, so whose concerns are most justified for you? I think all of them, to be honest with you. I think we start with the Canucks and the Habs. Both of them appear as though they're tanking. Uh, Montreal probably kind of sort of on purpose, although I'm not sure they have the team. Yeah. And I don't think the Vancouver Canucks thought they would be in this position, but damn well are in that position right now. Mm -hmm. I think they're two different conversations as we speak, but they're both headed towards the same spot. Um, Montreal just has to keep playing the way they're playing right now, which is not very well, uh, to get to their spot. The Vancouver Canucks is a much more complicated story, and they're sending guys down. People in Vancouver are wondering why they're sending guys down. It's to keep them from the dumpster fire that has become this Vancouver team. Talking and I'm culture. Not, yeah, I'm, I'm not joking. Like, mm -hmm. you don't want young players in and around guys throwing other guys under the bus and wondering what their future is going to be. We, we've talked to Elliot Friedman. We've talked to other insiders. We'll talk to Mike Feud a little later on in this show about Listen, you want to wait to the deadline because that's when you get the most back from me. What are you doing to the culture of the guys that you want to keep in that franchise by dragging this out longer and longer and longer? Mm -hmm. Like, this is from Ian McIntyre dreaming about Bedard. Like, if you're a player in that franchise and you start seeing guys blaming each other, pointing fingers, wanting to get out, hoping to be traded... That's not a situation you want in your franchise. And for me, I would start getting pieces out as soon as I possibly could, even if it meant taking a little bit less back in return because you're doing damn. Unless you're completely revamping, which we know they aren't in Vancouver, they're not completely rebuilding this, then get some guys out that are causing this kind of damage long-term to your franchise. You don't want to set that precedent because, as I mentioned with the Raptors, it is so hard to build culture. So you Remarkably think hard. It should start sooner rather than later. It probably should have started already in Vancouver. Right. And we're all tripped up, by the way. They ended last yeah. year. Very similar to the Toronto Raptors, yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it. Uh, and the Edmonton Oilers, like, I'm, I saw that headline from Mark Spector yesterday, mm -hmm. and I'm like, they are who we thought they were. They needed defense and they needed goaltending, right? Mm -hmm. And what they did is they went out and got goaltending. And as of right now, and it may change, as of right now, they picked the wrong goaltender. Jack Campbell hasn't been nearly good enough for this team. It was Stuart Skinner last night, so yeah. I don't want to blame Jack Campbell. But you paid the money for the goaltender. You paid them. And listen, Edmonton, stop getting pissed off about how much Darnell Nurse makes. You understand that you have to pay a million dollars at least a year more for players to stay in Edmonton. We all know that at this point. I love you. You understand that. I hope you understand that. But that's the truth. It's a million dollars more for great players to play in Edmonton yeah. because it's Edmonton. We all know that tax is there. But we also knew what the team was. They had to play real hard five-on-five -five team defense and get good goaltending to be good. They haven't done that. Either of that. Do you not think ahead of the deadline, there are options for a team like the Oilers? Expect was saying specifically that the, the back end is, was a little bit soft or is a little bit soft. Like there, there's the Luke Shen floating around or out there, Gavrikov and Columbus floating out there. Like they do have options to sort of solidify 
the back end. But not a lot team. of cap room, yes. But but you have to do it because anytime you have McDavid and Drysaddle, like you have yeah, no choice. You start getting into the pressure on Ken Holland and or Peter Shirelli and or whoever is the GM in Edmonton to maximize the years of Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle. Mark Spector, speaking of, uh, just tweeted out like less than 10 minutes ago. Um, that the Oilers players held a meeting before practice today as new voices try to fill the void left by the departures of Mike Smith, Duncan Keith, and Chris Russell. The challenges of demanding accountability fall to the new people. And I wonder who that is. Like, I, I wonder, listen, we know Connor McDavid isn't built that way, mm-hmm. but does he need to be? Does he need to be one of those guys? Or does he just lead by example? Like, I've always had a problem with people saying that superstars need to lead by example. That You can't follow that example. Mm-hmm. Like, no one can do what Connor McDavid does. But does he have the personality in the room to grab guys and say, listen, we need everyone here. There can't be any passengers. Would you listen to it from Connor McDavid? That's, these are questions that, like... There's no real answer. I'm not asking you to have an answer. I'm not asking Edmonton to have an answer. But these are real questions that you have to ask in dressing rooms, locker rooms, whatever you want to call clubhouses everywhere. It's fascinating because can can you change who you are fundamentally when you're put in a position to lead a group? Right. Like if that's not who Connor McDavid is, should there be an expectation that he should change fundamentally who or try to change who he is just to lead did Steve Eiserman do that? Like, we, we, we romanticize the Eiserman huge numbers, or did he just get a bunch of good players around him finally yeah, in maybe. Detroit and win? Yeah. That's I mean, he's a GM now, and he's established himself as a leader, but was it him changing who he was, or did he just finally get really good players around him? It's a fascinating it's psychology, really. It's a fascinating conversation. Yeah, and I wonder the same about McDavid, Dreisaitl, Edmonton. Mm-hmm. We have breaking news in the baseball world. Breaking news. That's right. In the baseball world. This comes from Jeff Passan. Star right. third baseman Rafael Devers and the Boston Red Sox are finalizing an 11-year, $331 million contract. The deal's wow. not done. The physical process hasn't started. <laughs> and so. we know to wait for the physical <laughs> process, yes. <laughs> but in the end, Devers is expected to remain in Boston. So we knew they had that one-year deal sort of ironed out, but yeah. 11 years, big money. Yeah, some pressure in that market to get that done. Yeah, the owner was, John Henry was booed, I'm pretty sure, at the Winter Classic. Yeah. Which, don't they have four championships in, like, ten years? This, this one was, uh, <laughs> this one probably has folks dancing in, in Boston. Yeah. yeah. I say dancing in Boston. Yes. <laughs> there it was, earlier in the show, right <laughs> off the top. It was a half raising the roof. We can't add the laugh track. That's to this. a window. It's window Johnny washing. Audio. Call that one the window washer. Is that? That's pathetic. <laughs> Very yeah. focused. No, there's you can you, yeah you can see halfway through that you knew <laughs> it wasn't yeah. Uh, what am I doing here? I'm gonna add and then boom. I look down. yeah I look troubled. <laughs> the only way that I yeah. Still to come, Ken Reed stops by for hour number two. <laughs> Mike Feuda on his thoughts. JT Miller. Uh, the Oilers' woes that we just talked about. Matty Devlin from Scotiabank Arena, head of the Raptors and Bucks in an important time for the Toronto Raptors. But after the break, we'll head to Halifax. Check in with Sam Cosentino as Canada gets, face, gets set to face the United States in the World Junior Semifinals. Tim and friends, let's go. <laughs> Up top, Dali around the horn. The bullet score! A bomb from Thompson. 
Once more for Thompson. Wow! Top corner again. Hope checked by Kimber to the slot area. Score! It is Tage Thompson. And Buffalo wins it 5-4. Welcome back, kids. It is semifinal Wednesday at the World Juniors. Czechia-Sweden was the first semifinal. Now, Czechia hadn't made the gold medal game for the first time since 2001. Sweden, no gold medal since 2012. Second period, though, Canucks 2022 third rounder. Another Elias Pettersson sets up Ludwig Janssen. Fires home the one-timer, and Sweden's up 1-0. Late third period, Blue Jackets sixth overall pick. David Juracek unleashes the wrister, but Carl Lindbaum flashes the leather. And guess what? Sweden stays on top, 1-0. Final minute, Sweden wins the draw, and they ice the puck. Now, that would prove costly. Suing draw, you know what happens. A little grade 9 English here. Foreshadowing with the net empty. Juracek top of the circle. One time bulging the twine. We are tied one apiece and we are headed to overtime. It's Czechia explodes. Czech Republic in the World Cup. Czechia in hockey. Ask me why, man. I don't know. <laughs> Sabres prospect Noah Osloon fires through the pads of Chamas Suhanik, but reaches back and just keeps it from crossing the line. Final minute. Of the overtime frame, Yuri Kulik goes wide, cuts to the goal, tucks it home. Czechia off to the gold medal game. Will we get the rematch? Well, we'll find out soon. Look at the winner of Canada and the United States. Connor Bedard, I'm running out of things to say about this guy. He's just way better than everyone else. Works it back across to Bedard, walks in and shoots, scores! Unbelievable stuff every single game. Goal scorer Ken has ever seen in this tournament. The expectations were high, and he has exceeded them by a mile. Bernard back with it. Slides in again. A goal for the ages. It's his turn. It's his world. We're just living in it. Heck, it's been pretty good. Uh, most goals and points by a Canadian in one tournament and in World Junior history. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. I guess. Uh, they have needed almost every piece of it, at least against Slovakia they did. First guy to tell me about Bedard joins us now. Sportsnet hockey analyst, draft insider, Sam Cosentino, live from Halifax. Uh, what did you hit first, the five fishermen, press gang, Salties, McKelvey's, or Pizza Corner? And be honest, Sammy. 
pizza corner, but they were out. What? So we got the Heisman there. Had to wait a night. Out. <laughs> out. Unbelievable. I've Five never trays heard. done. That is, I've been there for St. Patty's Day. I have been there for final eights. Uh, they have never been out. World Juniors doing some out. of the Halifax. Yeah, unbelievable. So, uh, actually, the bicycle thief was where it's oh, at. Hey, Had uh, a good one there last yeah. night. Tremendous spot. <laughs> but I got to tell you, another week of this. <laughs> I understand. You don't have to finish that sentence whatsoever. I'm a huge fan of Halifax. Uh, balls fan, ball fans in, in that city know I better be careful with that one. Ball fans in that city know that I love Halifax. Uh, most Nova Scotians know that. Uh, such a fan of the province. Uh, I put up with Ken Reed once a week on this show. But that, that place should be jumping. I mean, Halifax, despite what I said earlier, if we can get past it all, especially in the studio, uh, is one of the more underrated sports towns in this country, is it not, Sammy? It's the perfect size yeah. for an event of this magnitude. And I go back to 2019 when we did the Memorial Cup here, and it's got a perfect blend of plenty of hotels, plenty of restaurants. Obviously, the bar is pretty good, too. But a passionate fan base that are really into whatever comes to town here. So the Memorial Cup, they bought in. All the games were sellout, um, and, and everyone really participating to an event that you think, like, wow, we, if we don't have a horse in the race here, why are we going so crazy? But, you know, the Czech-Sweden game that just finished right now, it was packed. 9,500 people were here, as is the case for most of what I've seen here since I got here on the 1st of January. So they, they support their events. A big part of that, though, is the volunteers and the number of volunteers that you see. I mean, there's people in suits running up and down the aisles trying to clean it up to get ready for the Canada game, to get the people out, get that re-ticket, come back in and start getting into the sauce. Yeah, I, I was surprised at how empty it was behind you, given that game just ended in overtime. All right, so let's, let's get to Canada and the United States. What's the key as Canada gets set to face them in semifinal number two? The, Canada needs to play a clean game and a disciplined game. A clean game meaning really good exits, really good entries into the zone. Play between the blue lines is going to be key because the U.S. will come at you with speed. They've got a defensive core that's a little bit smaller but speedy and skilled, and they can get up the ice in a hurry. And when they get it into the forwards' hands, there's a lot of skill up front as well. That depth of skill extends well into that second line. And so Canada's going to need to play a really, really clean game. I think they can try and get to behind the USD a little bit muscle them a little bit that would be helpful but a clean discipline game is going to be the key all right listen uh, we played the hype reel for Connor Bedard uh, all hype gassing up aside is this the best that you have ever seen anyone play at the world juniors it's uh it, it is for me I mean a single performance and the thing is everyone's talking about okay Austria and Germany and so on but when you start to do it against tougher competition and do it multiple points wise and do it in clutch and key situations that starts to give you an indication that he's not just getting his cookies against the softer teams but he has the ability to raise his level of game when the competition asks for it so there's been a, a, a lot said about okay that dynamic ability his ability to shoot the puck but there's also that element of when the time calls for it that he is the guy that does it and at his ripe age it's uh, I haven't seen it here before uh, well there's some real good players in this game not just Bedard uh, all of the top five scorers in the tournament are going to be playing in tonight's game who should we be looking out for 
Well, Dylan Gunther's a guy you can't sleep on. Five power play goals, had games with Arizona. It's a pretty cool video of when he actually made the team. But a guy who came up through the Edmonton Oil Kings organization and continues to play extremely well. You look at Shane Wright, I think he's been close. He hits a crossbar there in overtime in the Slovakian quarterfinal game. I think he's ready to kind of turn it up here a notch. But I think about some of the U.S. Uh, snipers. Logan Cooley unbelievable what a year he's having in college as a freshman the third overall pick from last year another Arizona guy Jimmy Snuggerud is a guy who talked to him a little bit yesterday and said yeah I've really worked on my first speed quickness and overall quickness so he's a guy to be reckoned with shoots the puck extremely well as dad Dave played in the National Hockey League and then you got Luke Hughes the third brother there trying to win the, the first gold medal for the family at this event so they're the, the U.S. is loaded with talent there's tons of really good players up and down the lineup drafted undrafted it's going to be fun to watch all right both teams had an interesting loss uh, in the preliminary round in the United States to Slovakia Canada to Czechia who is now on to the finals flaws uh, hiccups in your mind H how do you view those two losses from those two something they built on well oh, there's no question about it and you know Canada came into this with all the hype of being the greatest team on paper that this country has ever seen and then you go out and you lose your first game so I think it was probably important for that to happen because if they go on and win that game things might become a little bit easier you don't have the adversity you need now all of a sudden the country's looking and saying hey what's going on with this club so it was probably a really important loss in terms of the development and the building to get here and when I look at the Slovaks they they play hard and heavy and that's not necessarily a great matchup for the US they don't really have that element to the game they're more of a speed and skill game so when things get into the weeds a little bit when they get mucky when they get heavy that makes it difficult for the U.S., and I think that's why the Slovaks had uh, some success against the U.S. So both of those games, though, built a little bit of character for their respective teams to get them into this matchup here in the semi. All right, last one for you. And listen, I hate the pressure these kids are under. I know it's a wonderful tournament, and people get heavily involved, and because of that, the pressure ends up either making diamonds or cracking pipes. And especially at home, it's different. Sam, I know that I've said that to you before, so with this, is, this question yeah. is with all due respect. Uh, and understanding the kind of pressure that these kids are under. But does Canada have the goaltending to win this thing? It, it's a great question. Thomas Milich has not given any reason to think otherwise. Now he's let in a couple of goals that I'm sure he would have wanted back. But at key situations, he's made key saves. And they haven't really been called upon to steal a game, per se. But when things got a little dicey in the quarters against Slovakia, he made some really good saves into the overtime late in the third period. And I think that is a real confidence builder for him. But uh, this is a guy who's 19 years old, so he does have age behind him. He doesn't have the experience of playing in this uh, type of event. But, hey, he did it in the quarters. The next step you take is the semis, and then we'll see what happens after that. Um, but I will say this, though. Trey Augustine will start for the U.S. Yeah. He's a first-year draft-eligible guy. You don't see that too much either. So you're getting two guys here that I think when you look at the tournament in total, are probably saying maybe the third or fourth best goalies in the event, the better one probably has their team win this game. Yeah, Augustine's been pretty good, though. 136 goals against average and a 938 save percentage. Uh, Sammy, uh, ball fans is a phrase that I won't use very often in the future, but I do appreciate <laughs> you wearing through it with me and finishing off the conversation. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> there is uh, Sam Cosentino in one of my favorite cities. And I was just trying to give a little love to Halifax and ended up saying something that I regret. No, I mean, I've been looking up. I mean, I was listening, kind of, because I was, I was looking up the Bicycle Thieves menu. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. Looks fantastic. It, it's, it's a little bit of a combined spot, though. There are fine food establishments, and if you're on the coast, you want to eat some seafood. Right, right. right. Uh, but sense. the Bicycle Thief uh, definitely has uh, kind of the best of both worlds, as Sammy's talking about. Yeah. yeah. So is, uh, is Bedard going to get the, what is he, 10 points to tie Peter Forsberg's record? I, I, I mentioned it at the end with Sammy, and we don't have a ton of time here. Yeah. But, like, honestly, I feel like there's too much pressure on these kids. Am I wrong? Well, he seems to be doing okay. No, you're I, right, you're right, but he, he seems to be handling it. But remember back to game one. Yeah. Like, it was, every the, the sky is falling in Canada because That's they right. lost the, the most ignorant takes every year are a bunch of people who haven't watched any junior hockey all year long saying, what the hell, man, <laughs> and getting mad at Gord Miller for telling them the <laughs> facts that there are nine first-round picks on this team and probably two of the top three this year. So when you're watching and you see you see the score, your eyebrow doesn't raise. If there's no, my like eyebrow that? raises, but you understand that they're especially at home. There's a ton of pressure on all of these kids, and yeah. sometimes kids make mistakes. And I don't know if we afford for that when we're making these rash statements that I see on Twitter. Though we shouldn't be swayed by the 10% of idiots that we see oftentimes on Twitter. We might just care about hockey too much. It's a country, if you, if that's well, that, such a thing. That is a thing. Yeah. We care about this tournament way more than anyone else on planet yeah. Earth by a significant amount. Well, it's done well for us. We're pretty good there. We are. Yeah. After the break, I would love to expand this, but we've run out of time. We'll get the thoughts on what the Raptors should be doing from Matt Devlin, from Jesse Rubinoff, from myself, plus Ken Reed, Mike Feudum, all on the way as Tim and Friends rolls on on this Wednesday. A lot of pressure on this. You're right. And there's like 17. Tim and Friends continues on this Wednesday again. Puck drop between Canada and the United States. Not till uh, after 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. So mm -hmm. stick with us. And uh, we'll counter. They call it counter-programming. Yeah. We'll oh, counter. Peel the curtain back. Thank Canada you. and the United States with yeah. a little basketball and a little football a little later on. Yeah. Speaking of basketball, uh, yeah. we did have the engager that I want to get to in just a second about the Raptors and whether they should buy, sell, tank ahead of the trade deadline. But I did want to ask you a question about this because... I mentioned um, the Red Sox fans booing their owner at, at the Winter Classic. And the impatience that Raptors fans are exhibiting online at the moment, I wanted to ask you if you think that's changed in recent years. from Because they won All a championship in 2019. All around sports, right. the patience has worn thin. Every team, every team's fan base wants to win very quickly. Mm -hmm. the, there are very rare situations where they'll buckle in. I think Montreal is buckled in. Yeah. They understand. But the reason why they're buckling in is because they realize that their team wasn't good enough. And what's happened now is that the fan base has become much more savvy to the way that the sports world really works. Mm -hmm. And because of it, they'll go to the tank. But what they ask, and we were just having this conversation about the kids in Halifax, what they'll ask is that those kids immediately pay dividends, see the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Right? Like, you can't go through and listen. Obviously, you want them to make it through a round to show some sort of uh, step up. Yeah, in some cases, it's warranted. Right. Some cases. You can be impatient. You, you, well, they you, have been patient for a very long time in the Leafs' case. Well, since 1967. <laughs> it's a long time, yeah. But they're still young players. Yeah. Right? Like, how many times did Nylander want to be traded from yeah. this team? How many, how many times did you hear someone in the fan base say, trade Marner, trade yeah, Nylander, sure. trade, right? Like, yeah. just the patience is worn out all around. 
And with the Raptors, I do think it's a pretty savvy fan base, and they're in this spot too, where they're like, we understand these contracts are expiring, so there's something that has to be done. Yeah, I feel like they want a direction. Like, pick a way to go. Whether you're going to try and win, then do that, make a move to supplement the roster. If not, then you got to start selling, which leads us to the poll that we released earlier in the show. The Toronto Raptors should be buyers, sellers, tankers. At this current point in time, it's 53.4%. Sellers, 33.5%. Okay, uh, but when you, when you really break that down, and we're almost at 1,600 votes here, what that really is is 80, 87% right. saying they're not buyers. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, let's get to a couple of responses quickly uh, on what they should do. Um, Terrence says, sell everyone but Scotty and Tank. No other option if you ever want the Raps to be truly competitive well, ever in the next a, decade. Embellishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess bit. the next decade. Trying to make a point. Yeah, next day. I got it. Uh, tankers retool for a year or two, get top picks and young players, and build around Scotty. So some, uh, some love for Scotty here. Uh, Scott says, for the right price, no one is untouchable from the roster, in my opinion. It, it's funny how Scotty... In the offseason, according to a lot of these people that are feeding back to our question, mm -hmm. should have been untouchable in a deal for Kevin Durant. Yeah. And now everyone's on the board. It's pretty remarkable how things have changed. Are, are you, as the tongue-in-cheek... I feel guilty, yes. ...future Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes dude... I feel responsible. ...still on the you-can't-trade-Scotty-Barnes? Well, yeah. What, I mean, what... <sighs> I feel like it's a loaded question because you don't know what exactly you'd be able to get for a guy like that. Like, would you be trading him based on the, the potential that he showed in his rookie year? Or is he, like, somehow damaged yeah, but that you're you not going to get a lot? Do you think GMs have this uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, magic ball no. that tells them? Right. Like, they turn it and they, they get the thing I, that I tells them no, that? I, I don't think. That's a hard question. I don't yes. think you could possibly trade him based on what you saw last year. I think, obviously, there's, there's something going on that uh, has led to his, the decline in his play this year. But when you see flashes of what you saw last year, which was legitimate flashes of greatness, I think a half a year is too quick to give up on somebody like that. Yeah, I don't know if it's give up or if it's to see what you can get back for him. Yeah. I mean, isn't that who you're trying to get, though? If you tank, you're trying to get guys well, like Scotty? Probably. Right. Unless you think that what's caused his regression is something that would... It's like a fundamental issue. From him. Right being really, really good. I don't think right, so. On you? the other side. Uh, barring gas or traffic issues, Ken Reed will join us. Full second hour in studio. And the bromance is alive and well. Mike Fuda, Kenny Reed together. Usually pretty fun. We'll get to all the hot button topics around the National Hockey League. Plus, Raptors pregame coverage and a little NFL coming your way right here on Tim and Friends. Second hour, too sweet to be sour. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here. Full second hour on Tim and Friends ahead of the Raptors and the Bucks on Sportsnet. Here I was, here's how it's going to break down. Face-off for Canada and the United States at the World Juniors is until after 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. So Mike Feudal will pop by in a few moments. Ken Reed is going to drop by as well. Full hour with Kenny Reed. 
We'll do a little bit of hockey up until 6.30, and then we'll switch gears. We'll visit with Matt Devlin at Scotiabank Arena and get you set for the Raptors and the Bucks. That's right, Toronto at home to Milwaukee tonight as they open up a six-game homestand. Raptors have lost nine of their last 12 games and have fallen to 12th in the East along the way. The Bucks are without Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Joe Ingles, George Hill, all tonight, and Giannis will be in there after he went off for a career-high 55 last night. Meantime, rumors swirling around the Raptors. Gary Trent Jr., his future, after he has a player option after this season. He says he's focused on his play. You kind of got to. You know, you really can't worry about anything that's going on when you're in between the lines, whether it's family-related, whether it's business-related, whether it's anything you got going on. When you're in between the lines, that's really the only thing to really focus on, and that's really the thing that only matters, to be honest with you. So the Raptors are on the hard court. No Canadian teams on the ice tonight. The Sens coming off a shutout win over the Jackets last night are off until Saturday. But at practice today, Cam Talbot unveiled a new mask and a Deadpool mask. He's disguised the, uh, discussed the reasoning behind it. We came up with a, a Deadpool mask, obviously with, in light of the, uh, you know, the rumors and stuff like that. Maybe Ryan Reynolds will be uh, will be coming into the new ownership group. So, um, you know, try to entice him a little bit more to, to come in here and and uh, be part of the group. Do you, do you know something, maybe that we don't? Is the sale process further along? <laughs> no, like I said, just trying to entice him a little bit more, give him a little extra incentive. But uh, you know, even if you know something doesn't happen, you know, maybe I know he's big into charities and stuff like that. Maybe we can get him to sign the mask and have him auction off for a charity or something like that. So. All right, as mentioned, it is a contractually obligated Wednesday here on Terran Friends. Kenny Reed is in studio. Sir. Before we get going here uh, and talk about Deadpool Mass and Ryan Reynolds and all those things. Yeah. You're missing a belt last night? No. Okay. Because I stole your belt off of your rack. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> and I, I was worried because I went to my son's hockey game yeah. immediately after the show yesterday. Yeah. I forgot my belt at home, wore your belt, ah. have it in my bag over there. was nice. feeling really bad about yeah. it until now. Guilt's a wasted emotion. Look, it's a team game. We share the same locker room upstairs, dressing room. I'm old school. Uh. You can take whatever you want off my rack. It's all it, good, buddy. Is dressing room Canadian, yes. locker room dressing American, room and clubhouse uh, baseball? It's a hockey sweater. It's not a hockey jersey. Mm -hmm. It's a dressing room, not a locker room. And you can have all my pocket squares and belts that you'd like. By the <laughs> yeah. way, my pocket squares, I used to be the pocket square king here. Yeah. They have disappeared at an epic rate over the years. I don't care. Just Whatever. people picking them out of your... Yeah, uh, I, just, I do that all the time, but I do replace them, which is why I felt so bad about the belt that I wore to my kids' hockey game. Don't you take his pocket squares too? Yeah, everyone's in there. Yeah, everybody yeah. takes my pocket. Right, well, off. Kenny I'm had, like... I'm going to start making them to fit in uh, hoodies, and then you can take them. <laughs> so we have, like, a wardrobe... <laughs> we have, like, Very a good. wardrobe room upstairs for the uninitiated, and Kenny's kind of locker area is on the way out. So everyone sees all of Kenny's yeah, stuff on the way right. in, on the way out, and I always see his pocket squares. And whenever I'm, like, yeah. struggling to find a color that will go, yes. I end up going and to Kenny's. He's got the primetime spot, It used to be, to be a massive, yeah, massive bag full of pocket squares. Squares. There's not many there anymore. And by the way, to whoever designed our, our dressing room, yeah. 
Why are there clear windows oh, looking yeah, into the room yeah. right where I'm yeah. supposed to be changing? <laughs> the ladies yeah, have a big frosted glass. Yeah, you can't you see can't anything. See and the guys, anything. it's like, eh. I've whatever. done it a couple times where the old boiler's oh, hanging out, listen, putting on a shirt, listen, walk if, towards the front to see myself in the mirror. Look, oh, doctor. No, if it's 12:15 and you're wandering around the second floor here one night, Careful. you're going to get to see a lot Careful. because I don't care at that point. By the way, I, I really do miss changing with Sid Sixero because for those of you you don't know Sid wears tidy whities and his boiler <laughs> hanging over a pair of tidy whities was an amazing thing to say. Now they say what goes in the room stays in the room, but not when Sid Sixero's in there. He's he's not on our team anymore anyway. But yeah, let's first time. Sid, Sid's a briefs guy. Yeah, this is awesome. There's so many things that I want to say at this juncture in time, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to refrain. We're going to see. I think Sid's coming by on Monday of next it, week. Well, yeah. maybe him and I can change again together. <laughs> It'll be like the, reliving all time. The, the tattoo on his lower back was the best. It was always a work in progress, too, because he always kept adding to it. So you never right. knew when the butterfly was going to fly right. away and evolve. I, I just didn't know if it was a tattoo or a patch of hair, but that's uh, the story the for The tattoo was, well, I always thought it was a butterfly with a bad haircut. What, what, <laughs> what did you think of the uh, the Deadpool mask? Like, oh, he's, he's buying a part of the team. Well, I was funny. I was just getting my haircut by Gus, and our uh, one of our bosses, Rob Corte, came by, and mm -hmm. I said, "Give me Corte's haircut, right? Because yeah. so, he's the boss, right. so he knows that the boss is coming. So give me the Deadpool mask. <laughs> right. It's a good move. I like the Deadpool mask. It was great. I, I got a feeling whoever buys the Ottawa Senators is just going to keep Ryan Reynolds in the loop, yep. and then say, "Hey, get a piece. We would yep. love to have you part of hey. the National Hockey. Brilliant businessman. Yeah. Showed up there that one night, gave a wave." Yeah, he's with ever whoever goes in, he's getting piece of the pie. For Without, sure. a, I watched Welcome to Wrexham. I'm a huge fan of what they were able to do in Wales with that team. Oh, I haven't and watched that. that. You haven't That's watched it? Yeah, watch it. It's really good. And more of I think, a Ted Lasso guy. Do you remember when uh, who was the Jim Balsillie? Yep. When Jim Balsillie was making all the noise about buying a team, do you remember he, he had his, go hand, to Hamilton? his hand was slapped like mm -hmm. 18 yeah, different times by Gary Bettman? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Goes to a game, yeah, he's waving, and that's Gary true. Bettman's like, "Yeah, oh! we had a meeting with Ryan yeah. Reynolds, and we, yeah. you know, like it's a different story See, with Ryan I think, Reynolds." I think Mitsu should make a big campaign and start going to all yeah. the Quebec Ramparts games and then, to get a team to Quebec City because if Gary Bettman thinks he likes Ryan Reynolds, wait till he gets a hold of Mitsu, right. la chanteuse de Québécois, the yeah, best no, Quebec I, singer of all time. All respect you, Miss Dion. Right. But uh, from guys from our generation. YouTube it, kids. Bye-bye, Mon Cowboy. Yeah. Hello, Mitsu. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, the, the Quebec Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah Les yeah. Cowboys du Quebec. <laughs> that's, can we say that? Les Cowboys de Quebec? Yeah, I mean, bye-bye. Yep. That's, their, that's their goal song. That'd be awesome. Getty walking down the road. Did you get my? Did you see my Christmas uh, gift I gave to you? No. So I meant to bring this up uh, off the top, but we got sidetracked by belts and uh, Six Days Heroes lower back tattoo. Yeah. But uh, you left a note in here saying that there was a Christmas gift yeah. in studio. Yeah, it's here. Um, and I searched like for an entire day before we left. And it's I said here. I was going to text Kenny and ask him for it, but why not just leave it for whenever you're in next? It's here. Yeah, it's here. Well, maybe we'll Is reveal it, a book? it at the end of the show. I feel like it's a trophy. No, Is it, it a new it, trophy? It, it look, yeah, look, it's got to be a new. I looked at that yeah. trophy back there, but that's not yours, the golf trophy. No, the real no. Tro golf trophy. No, no look, if it was a book, yeah. I would exploit it, and it would be right <laughs> yeah, here, okay, right? Yeah. We'd be doing interviews yeah. about it. No, Because there is a Ken Reed one night only over there. By the way, I've gotten requests. There's a Denny Marook Ken Reed over there. 
I've gotten requests to bring the trophies back on set. How do you feel about that? It's been no, a you long. lost a bet. Okay, good. It's enough. over. I'll just have to win some more. <laughs> uh, what does Mike Fuda think? The bromance that is Mike Fuda, Tim and Friends, Kenny Reed. Mike Fuda joins us now. Look Fuchs, at this beast. Uh, do we bring back <laughs> Ken Reed's trophies knowing full well that he lost a bet and had to remove the trophies from the studio because of the lost bet? No, I, Kenny can do whatever he wants. <laughs> but Feudy, you seem like a stand-up guy to me. Like you lose a bet, you gotta pay your you gotta pay your debts here. He paid his he's back. He bounces back. If he's he, if he was getting paid to be on this segment, yeah, trophies out. <laughs> yeah. See, you know why Feudy can say that? Because yeah. he can relate. He's yeah. a champion. There's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Here's a juvenile golf champion for the Pictou Golf and Country Club. Right. Champions stick together. <laughs> Understood. Can I mention that I was making some progress with my my I was I had a bit of I've been on the LTIR with a, a hunting injury, and uh, you guys really set me back with the whole Sixera talk. <laughs> oh yeah, your rib. You were laughing because uh, didn't you crack a rib? What, what happened in the hunting? Yeah, round? I cracked. It's not. I just threw the hunting in. I actually just fell shoveling and cracked a rib. My attorney, <laughs> my attorney asked me not to discuss it today in present, but. Right. It was one of the most, the day before Christmas, I went to walk off the top step. It was a combination of two movies, Home Alone, when the guy does the header. Yeah. And, and then me lying there and thinking, I got to call an ambulance. They're going to be a nice quiet. I'm in a nice neighborhood. And it was like the ambulance uh, scene from Something About Mary. There was like five fire trucks and three paramedic trucks. <laughs> you pull me up away. to grab you. So how you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. Got a different, uh, my tattoo on the side of my ribs is a little different than the furry one in the back of Six Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Okay, so I got a question for you, Foots. Now, you know this. I'm not sure if all our viewers know this. Mike Fuda was in Youngblood, Major Wilson Pitcher. Yeah. What hurts more, falling down, shoveling snow, or taking a pratfall from Carl Racky during the filming of the trout scene in Youngblood? Well, it's about pride. I was acting in the movie. Right. <laughs> the right. Driveway scene was real life. <laughs> I like that you referred to uh, my lawyer. You can say diamond and diamond. It's okay. You can say that. We know it was a personal injury thing. Was it hurt in a car called William Matar? Yeah, I don't know. No. Was, By the way, don't put it off. The, uh, the stuff that like I'm, I'm not on very often, so when I go, all that stuff in the change room goes right in the bag and back to the future residence. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're if you're looking for a sale on your little pocket things there, yeah. they might be just... <laughs> well, I was going to say, you didn't steal an undershirt from me. I can tell that. <laughs> Don't make him laugh. He's got a rib injury. Leave him alone. I was on the treadmill when I got the call. Give me a break. Yeah, he, he is from Rexdale. Hey, leave him alone. man is on the treadmill more than anyone I know. That's why right. he's in such great shape. Two months, less a day to the deadline, Futes. Who is the most interesting team in the National Hockey League to former assistant GM in Los Angeles right now to you? Well, homegrown Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and obviously there's a lot of listeners. It's just because of where they've been in the past and, and the way they've played this year. Um, it's fun to watch. And I think it's going to be an incredible, like the identity, the job that Sheldon Keefe's done and the attention to detail that these guys have shown Last night was standing. It's funny that when these guys started to come back from injuries, it looks like they're not going to catch Boston, but that first-round matchup is going to be magnified. And I think what happens at the trade deadline this year with the amount of teams that are going to be in it, it's going to be that much more that much more interesting. And I know Reader and I talk about it all the time. Uh, a little bit of – I mean, the goaltending looks a little bit – Samsonov is doing his best Jack Campbell at the post-game conference there taking blame, but he's got to be better. 
And I think the team needs a little bit more snot. They need a little bit more toughness. I mean, I love this. The talent up front's great. Obviously, Giordano showed great leadership. Some of the back-end guys have played great. But I think this team's going to need some toughness in order to match up with the Lightning in the first round. Who can they deal? Prospects? Picks? Is there anyone on the roster they can get rid of? There would be nobody at, at the situation this team is at. Uh, there would not be one prospect, in my mind, that would be unprotected. I mean, it's hard not to even win. Matthew Nice, because people no, think he's going to be good. If it was for the right player, and particularly if the right player might have some term and you could fit him in, it, I, I'd trade Matthew Nice. And I li- I'm not one of his biggest fans. I've gone on record saying he's given me some of the best live viewings in college hockey. But I'm telling you, the door, the, the window is not going to be open forever with your top guys because of the salaries that your top guys have made. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of these other teams that have won. And I mean, I talked about when we won with Los Angeles, our superstar young players were still on reasonable contracts and they got paid huge money for winning Stanley Cups, not for having great individual prowess, which is the case. And they are incredible players like Mitch Marner to me this year has been heart trophy worthy. And obviously Matthews is getting back to where his level of standard and they're playing good defense as well. But you've got to you've got to go all in this year um, and you've got to add that piece that is going to make the Tampa because you know Tampa Bay is going to do something, you know Boston's going to do something, and you've got to match that because it's just not going to be good enough to have another magical regular season and go back and say we we fell short in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, well, not. Do, do you think that that attitude is shared by the Maple Leafs right now? We can all sit here and say you have to go for it now. Do you yeah. think their front office has this Solid attitude? I, I would think they. I hope they do. I mean, unless they know for a fact in the back of their minds that Matthews is. I mean. Matthews is 100%, and I think he's going to be back. But, I mean, at $15 million, if that's what it's going to take, there's going to be some some revamping. And at some point, they're going to have to move somebody that they truly, all along, they've lost players, but they've never really lost somebody that they just didn't want to lose, whether it be a prospect. And, again, it's like I don't want to go back, but if you can love Robertson and stuff, but if he's not good enough to be in your lineup, it's hard to sell him his gold to another team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to make sure you find a dance partner that loves your players as much as you do. Right. And I think that bottom six and the makeup of that bottom six has got to be playoff ready because when I look at it and I go back to a Felino, who's one of my favorite players in hockey, and I love the move, move when Kyle made it, but I felt they lost that year in the playoffs, not because of the team they had. They lost because of freak injuries. Tavares goes out, Felino isn't even there to play. That's the exact kind of player they need in order to push this team across the finish line. Yeah. But it seemed to me almost like there was an organizational decision, like it didn't work. Uh, so let's go back to skill, skill, skill. And it didn't work because they were hurt, not because it was ever put to, like, I guarantee you if Felina was healthy uh, and Tavares stays healthy, that Montreal doesn't win that series in the bubble. But I, that's just me. I mean, having been through it and knowing the grind, I've talked about watching these players dragging inner Venus up and down a flight in round four of the playoffs, guys losing 15, 20 pounds. I talked to Doug Gilmore about it. And here's a team that has has yet to get out of a first round so they should have tons of energy tons of energy and i would be doing everything possible to make this team because you all all you can talk about is this current team which you have right now and they are certainly a stanley cup contender you have to make this current roster good enough to give yourself to win a stanley cup this season okay while we got the gm on i want to go into more theory here and vancouver has kind of gone from a hot mess to the dumpster fire. I mean, J.T. Miller seemingly, and I'll say seemingly, throwing uh, teammates under the bus. Like, I know people keep telling me you got to wait to the deadline to maximize. You got to wait to the deadline. But, like, in the meantime, 
this this the culture of that team is being ripped apart. You got Bruce Boudreaux last night saying, I want to win. You have JT Miller talking about wanting to play defense. Do they have to do something sooner given how ugly it's getting, Mike? Well, it's one thing, first of all, um, I don't think they can do what your uh, furry back tattooed friend. <laughs> I think he announced today that he wants five players traded by the end of the day and so they can go on a Bedard sweepstakes hunt. But you look at, we just about talked about Toronto and the synergy and how they're sticking together. Vancouver's the exact opposite of that from start to finish. I mean, when Sheldon Keefe's job was being questioned at the beginning of the year, Kyle Dubas just stood right behind him. Didn't have to go out. Bruce Boudreaux has been on a plank the entire season. Uh, whether they're chanting Bruce, there it is. Now, for some reason, you decide to sign an American hockey player that probably has his, uh, a very good American hockey player to an incredible eight-year extension, with $8 million extension, and uh, and you leave Bo Horvat, a Canadian kid who's your captain, uh, without a contract. Uh, I've no, I've no, no doubt that JT Miller signed his deal. Now, okay, now move me to a, now move me to a place that I really want to play. And uh, I hope they somehow find a way to move them. But it's not easy once you've signed all these guys to amazing long-term contracts. And these aren't all Jim Benning's mistakes anymore. It's the Curtin group. They can't stay out of their own way. And clearly, Bruce has a coach that's probably under contract to another team, whether it be somebody like, um, oh, my God, who's the assistant? Who coached Florida last year, Reader? Who's assistant coach in uh, Jersey uh, this year? Oh, not, not Nazardine. Not Perdat. No, I, I should know. He's no, he's no one sound player. Anyways, great, but he, he did a great job with Florida last year. He's the assistant in New Jersey right now. I think there's somebody like that that um, that they've already looked at and said that that's going to be our guy, but some reason he's under contract this year because there's no reason to keep putting Bruce Boudreaux through this. It's clearly he's not the GM's coach or the quasi-GM's coach. And again, it's not easy to make deals when you've got these guys locked up to huge long-term deals, yet you've done nothing. And then you say everybody's available. But Elias Peterson, if I'm Quinn Hughes, how do you feel about that? When you're supposed to be the future defenseman or your Thatcher Demko, who is one of the best young goalies in hockey and has run into injuries. So they're just firing all, all cylinders where the Leafs seem to just find ways to get through their adversity this year. And good teams do that. You look at the Boston Bruins this year. I mean, that little thing with uh, signing the kid that had the off-ice problems was like a hiccup because of the leadership they had in the room, and they just overcame that. Whereas the Leafs have just forged through injuries, and the Bruins have forged through interviews, and Vancouver just can't stay out of their own way. Right. So, I mean, they've got to find a way to get in the Bedard sweepstakes, but it's a lot. It's not as easy as just throwing five eight. guys. Uh, you know, in the NHL, it's not you're never really too late because there's so much parity and. The first team only gets 25%. Like it's only a one in four. But shot. you got to be bottom 11 now because yeah. you can only move up 10. Yeah. And Burnett, it's, it's, that not, if, it was, if it was an automatic lotto pick, absolutely. Throw it. But it's not. Right. It's, it's not. It's hard make to make three. trades right now, too, isn't it, Mike? Like really, well, so really teams, hard. There's so many teams. on. There's a couple teams on the outside that have different expectations. They want to win this year. So they're not ready to blow it up because it's going to cost somebody their job. How many teams are actually other than Arizona every year in a spot where the, <laughs> you're, you know, you're going to fat stockpile on prospects and you're going to sell your, your, your people. Now out of the Canadian teams, the only team that as much as they've been exciting to watch, that's really true to draft lottery status, in my opinion, is the Montreal Canadians because there is no pressure on them to win this year. However, you can start to see the bubbly joy go off their face when they're actually getting shellacked. And it's not always fun coming to the rink when you're getting it handed to you, but they're in a situation where if Monaghan gets healthy and uh, I, I'd be very careful about moving someone like Edmondson, but a guy like Dadanov, 
they've got some guys on last year uh, contracts yeah. that might actually help them with the rebuild. Uh, the player for me that if I was the Montreal Canadiens, because he has term and because he's almost exactly what so many teams are looking for, might be see if he can get a hero's, a, a ransom for somebody like Josh Anderson. Because yeah. I think he brings, although he's not your old school, like we would love it, he's probably Tom Wilson light. And that's a kind of guy that's proven he can do it in the playoffs as he did against the Leafs. And he can play in your top six, bring you some toughness, and he's got term. But again, you're going to have to give something up to get that. And again, for me, if it if it, it became giving up something that just ha- gives us that chance of winning right now, I, I don't think you can just put a bull, uh, put a electric fence around your top prospect and say he's not available. Understood. Uh, we've run out of time. In fact, we are over time. But I, I like the buttons. Uh, shows me a lot. Thanks, Fuda. I really appreciate it. Here we go. Thanks, great to be here. Good we'll thing, see you in Owen Sound, buddy. Yeah, Owen Sound. We're gonna get pucks in deep. I maybe I'll wear your gold helmet. He's say he's hi to my uh, yeah, say hi to my buddy Wally up there. All right. Yeah, Wally. Yeah. Okay. He's the, he's the head coach up Hoots there. Who's gonna draft yeah, me? I think bro. up there. We've been oh, talking. Walter. Yeah, Greg Wally. You're looking at my captain, Tim. Yeah. Make, make sure make sure you say hi to him for me. Uh, I got a tournament in Ottawa. With my little guy can't make it. But be well. Good to see you, buddy. Good seeing you guys. Hey, brother. All right. There is uh, Mike Fuda. I think he's gonna draft me to his team up there. There's two teams. He's the only. Oh, you guys are playing in that uh, yeah, in the game, game on Hockey Day weekend. Yeah, I've, I've, there's two teams that can draft me. It's the only one that's interviewed me so far. So I think I'm going to be good if they get the last pick. It's funny. I'm back with Kenny after this. Michaela Fried and Rubinoff with you. Want to give you the latest on the Bills' Demar Hamlin, who of course collapsed on the field Monday night in Cincinnati. Uh, Bills tweeting out an update this afternoon that reads, in part, Demar remains in the ICU in critical condition, with signs of improvement noted yesterday and overnight. He is expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and treat him. Bengals coach Zach Taylor spoke earlier today. He was the first one to speak about the terrifying incident that was on the field. Our thoughts and prayers are with uh, DeMar Hamlin and his family and his loved ones and um, his teammates, the coaches, the entire Bills organization. We've always had a great deal of respect for them. Um, I think that's grown much deeper, obviously, um, with what we've all seen transpire. And um, so certainly we're pulling for DeMar uh, hoping for the most positive outlook and uh, looking forward to him seeing all the support that he's getting from um, his team, his community, um, people around the league, his family. Um, that'll be a great day when he's able to see that. And, and I won't disclose um, any of the private conversations Sean and I had except for this. When I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow and I shouldn't be coaching this game. And so that to me provides all the clarity because there, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation because that's what it is. Uh, but in that moment, he really uh, showed who he was, that, that all his focus was just on DeMar and being there for him, being there for his family at the hospital. And, and at that point, um, I think everybody, everything trended in the, in the direction it needed to trend and the right decisions were made there. All right, so those decisions have been contested a wee bit. Now, during Monday night's broadcast, it was said several times that the NFL had given the Bills and Bengals instructions to resume play after a five-minute warm-up period. But the league has pushed back on those reports. And today, NFL Executive Vice President Troy Vincent, former player, got emotional when discussing it on a conference call with reporters. 
it was just so insensitive to think that we were even thinking about returning to play. I just wanted to share that because it came up and I think there's been a little bit of discussion. I don't know who said it and I really don't care. But the only thing that mattered to myself, the team here, the folks in the stadium and the, the coaches was the health and wellness of DeMar. I mean, in the end, Ken Reed, who has joined me in studio, they, they got to the right decision. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in those moments as broadcasters, you're looking for something to say. And mm -hmm. someone tweets something, someone tells you something, and it ends up going where I don't know if we ever will get the answer right. on who and how that got out. I'm sure in that moment there was all kinds of things going around. Should we play? Should we not? Should we do this? Should we do that? And there was probably all kinds of versions of what should take place. Right. And, yeah, you're right. They did get to the right decision. Um, and I think that's the most important thing, that they did get to the right decision. NFL's a machine. It doesn't really stop for anything or anyone. And it, it did stop, and that was the right decision. Um, it's all about getting there, not necessarily how you got there. So yeah. uh, I don't and, think and let's be now's here. the time just to just, you know, throw stuff at people like it's yeah just, I just I, like let's be honest here when we see what we've seen in the past and I know they were saying it's unprecedented but it's not no it happened yeah it, it's happened before yeah. we had a Yuri Fisher game we yeah. it, a, a player died on the yeah, field 71. in 1971 mm -hmm. in the NFL yeah. because of a heart attack yeah. um We've seen it in the NHL a bunch of different times. We saw it with Christian Eriksson in a European championship. Yep. I know the Americans don't take in their football maybe like we do. We saw Chris Pronger take a shot in the chest. Right. Yeah. And some games were canceled and some games they played on. Yep. So it wasn't without precedent and it was a tough decision. And to be fair with everyone involved, they got to the right they, decision. They did get to the right decision. And I'm sure there was – look, obviously, like, if you're dealing with that from – whatever you're dealing with tv networks you're dealing with tons of advertising money and that sounds like such a hollow thing to say but that's the reality of it right i mean the nfl they're a money-making machine so should they got to it quicker maybe yeah. we can nitpick those things yeah. but in the end they got to the right decision yeah. i think in this day and age we we look to fire immediately right we do and within so those quickly. five minutes or 15 minutes how do they know how serious it is like do they know right away right. or they think it maybe tomorrow will be okay right so yeah. they got to the right decision right and, and sometimes the best thing to do look they do it on touchdown plays the ref just doesn't right away he kind of takes a breath then he signals touchdown right. the best thing to do instead of just making a decision right away take a breath look around yourself make the right decision they got there was it perfect no but was it the correct decision ultimately yes right uh, after the NFL announced yesterday the Bengals and Bills game would not resume this week, ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting today that discussions are ongoing and the league knows that they have a decision to make in the coming days. But do they need to play this game, Ken? Because, listen, I know no one wanted to get there yesterday because we wanted to make sure that obviously all eyes, all concern were on Damar Hamlin, but there is a game with playoff ramifications, mm -hmm. and people are trying to figure out how they get it done. Can you just eliminate the game and go by winning percentages? No, you got to play the game, don't you? Think? Or do people have to actually suit up and finish that game off? I think you have to suit up. You have to finish the game um, with uh, with that 
two week bye before the Super Bowl, that provides a, a perfect time to, to play it. So you have an extra week, you just push everything back by a week. So yeah, you, it sounds uh, you know a little a uh, little mean to say it, but yeah, you got you got to play the game. I mean, you do. You? What do you think? I, I think that you could probably. I wouldn't have a problem if listen. This is something that we haven't seen before in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. If you went by winning percentages, would it be that wrong? To the teams that maybe missed out on opportunity, it would be, yeah. Well, there's, there's a few teams there, and if they agree to winning percentages... If they agree, but, I mean, do you, do you poll the teams? Do you ask? Or? Well, I think the Bills and the Bengals are the teams that you ask because mm-hmm. they've got to go out and play, and they mm-hmm. were the ones that were exposed to what they saw that day. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I know that there will be people who disagree with me. I'm okay with that too. Yeah, yeah. It's like I know it's not I think 2023-ish, but I'm okay with going by winning percentages. Otherwise, you've got to have people wait a week longer. There's another yeah. idea where the AFC would be pushed back one week, right? And then the NFC would start their playoffs, and Week 19 would be the NFC playoffs and the Bengals and the Bills playing. I would think that with the way a league like this operates, that they'd have a plan in place already somewhere. Do you not think that, like, as an insurance policy? I mean, maybe they had deep, something like this somewhere drawn deep up within for the files. COVID. Yeah, there's yeah. something drawn up somewhere, but then it happens. And, and you're talking about advertising money. Like, yeah. once you get and, messed and, with and the I Super hate, Bowl. I hate to say it, but yeah. No, it's talking, callous, but we also know that that's money. the truth. Here's, here's the idea, too. And, and then I think it's important. we got to get going here. I understand this. But it's important to point out. Like, we know all these decisions are based on money. Yes. To acknowledge that is not sacrilegious. We, our thoughts and our prayers are obviously with Hamlin and his health, and we're trying to get there, of course. But we also know that the world moves on because it did a bunch of different times before and it will again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, coming up, we'll head to Scotiabank Arena. We'll catch up with Matty D. Matt Devlin, Raptors on the outside looking in on the playoffs right now. Could this roster look different in a couple weeks? We'll dis- discuss the Bucks and the Raptors and maybe a little bit of the future with Matty D. Coming up next, it's just a cold reality. Welcome back, Tim and friends. McAuliffe, Reed, Rubinoff here with you, counting down to the Raptors and the Bucks on Sportsnet. The Bucks without Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Joe Ingles, George Hill tonight. Giannis will play in back-to-backs, being the Raptors' favorites despite losing nine of their last 12 games. Hmm. Very interesting. Bucks and Raptors, Scotiabank Arena. Guy calling it uh, with our guy, Alvin Williams, is another one of our guys. It's Matt Devlin. What's up, Matty? How are you, buddy? Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year, Matty. Happy New Year. When's the limit on the Happy New yeah, Year? Yeah, that's what we were discussing. Well, we were just having that conversation in the break, and... I think it's all good for about the first week. If it's the first time you see somebody, you can say, you know, Happy yeah, New Year, yeah. right? See, so I, Ken, Happy New Year. Jesse, hey. Happy New Year. Truly is friends plural. That's very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very see, good. I think it's May long weekend. <laughs> What's that so you if I see somebody yeah. like middle yeah. of May and I haven't yeah. seen them yet in 2023, yeah. Happy New Year. How's yeah. it going? You're that guy. I'm that guy. Ken, Ken would be that guy. <laughs> uh, this feels like a real interesting time surrounding this team. We were talking earlier about the contracts, obviously, of Freddie Pascal and Gary Trent Jr., the record, the injuries. I know Gary Trent Jr. earlier today was talking about the noise and the rumors around the team. Uh, Freddie's tweeting out another bet on yourself. Is there a different kind of energy 
around the building these days, Matt? Well, compared to, and I'm going to exclude Tampa, because yeah. we weren't there, we were calling games remotely. But yes, there is, compared to the other years in which the Raptors, as we know, went into the postseason. There was certainly a different feel last season. I think the expectations last year were tempered based upon how the team played in Tampa. And then it was right around this time, as we all know, they took off and finished strong. And the expectations, again, rose during the offseason. And so far this season, not just one thing. You and I have talked about this before. It's not just defense. It's not just three-point shooting. For whatever reason, right now, and it's not just players in and out of the lineup, there's a multitude of things as to why the Toronto Raptors sit right now at 16 and 21 with a very important six-game homestand season long starting tonight against Milwaukee. Is there anything, Maddie, that indicates to you that this team can go on a run like the one that did last year that, that did turn things around? Well, that's a great question. I think that when I look back at this year, I think one of the things that stands out is that consistency. You're looking for performances that yesterday carries over to today. And unfortunately, this is a team, as we know, they haven't won more than two games in a row. And from shooting, specifically the three, they haven't been able to knock that down a certain rate, at least in consecutive games. So, and then when you start talking about ball pressure and dribble penetration off the bounce and stopping, you go back to Indiana, TJ McConnell was getting into the lane. Yeah. So there, up to this point, there hasn't been that trend. There's been moments, I, you know, the week on the road in Philadelphia, at New York, at Cleveland, that was a week where I'm, okay, here it comes, right? You lose to Philadelphia on the road with a Tobias Harris three as Boucher came out just a sliver late to contest 104-101, you lose. Then Pascal, 52 points at the Garden, you win. Then you go to Cleveland, you take on the Cavaliers, you're 3-0 against a very good team, currently fourth in the Eastern Conference. You make 19 threes and you think, okay, here, the Raptors, you know, here they are. This is going to lead to success. It just hasn't up to this point. And I think, Ken, ultimately your question is the big question. And I think this is what we'll find out here with 19 games leading up to the trade deadline. So, so then how crucial is this homestand that we're about to uh, get underway with? I think it's crucial. Yeah. I, you know, look, when you're under 500 and the expectations were higher, we all understand that there's been injuries, that this is a team that hasn't seen everything, every piece of it together yet, inclusive of Otto Porter. And the other night, Precious Achua, it's the first time, and I think we all got a sense of how much you missed his energy off of the bench. First time that he played since November the 9th. So it's important to see what the rotations are gonna look like, what Precious is gonna look like, you know, and just a steady, flow of that over the course of the next six games they have a better record at home so you would expect them to perform better but we also know that this is a team that has dropped five or six at home so you know if there's ever a time to get it going this is the time and and I understand it's the second night of a back-to-back -back for Milwaukee but Giannis is playing and he didn't play here last year and you played him three times Raptors have won five in a row against Milwaukee can they extend that to six tonight? But 
there, there needs to be signs of all of that as you head toward that February 9th date. So that's my question is that how long can the front office wait? Like do you wait right until February 9th or depending on how the six game homestand goes? Well, they're examining you, right yeah, now. Yeah, do you take a deep breath and go, okay, we gotta go one way or the other, one way or the other right now? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, and this is just based upon, you know, how can you predict the future? I look back to the one thing about Masai, he has been patient and he has done things on his timeline. No one else's. That goes back to Carmelo Anthony. And when it comes to big moments with Masai, I think we all agree he's hit not home runs, but grand slams. And that's inclusive of obviously Kawhi Leonard. So with all the noise, with everything that's happening and everything that's going on, my sense of it is, is that it's going to be, there's going to be some patience to it and he's going to look at every single scenario and ultimately make the right decision for what he truly believes is the best pattern for the future. And just because something on paper looks like it should work, I take you back to when the Raptors he first took over in his first year with Rudy Gay, and everything on paper looked like that was going to be a really good mix. It ended up not being, and what did he do? He, he took his time, surveyed the landscape, made a deal, and all of a sudden everything clicked, right? Yeah. Raptors haven't been in this position at this stage of a season dating back to 2012-2013, which was the season prior to Masai taking over. So again, I'm not saying it happens today. I'm not even saying that it happens on the trade deadline, but there is a patient element to this and him always doing things on his terms in his timeline. And that's why he's been successful running the Toronto Raptors. Hey, less than 45 seconds left here, but how nice to have uh, Serge Ibaka back in Toronto. Well, my Fuzzy chef, yeah. he was out here I'm earlier. He was cooking it up. Yeah. <laughs> he was cooking it up. I can tell you that right now. You know, I mean, look at always great to see Serge. What a great personality. And I go back to 2019 and he was just an integral piece to that team. And I think about game seven against the Philadelphia 76ers off of the bench. He had 17 points and that was all done through the first three quarters. And then you go to the next season without Kawhi and the Raptors. Unfortunately, we all know what happened in March of 2020, but the Raptors were poised to make another run at that time as they were one of the best teams in the NBA. And Serge Ibaka was just a key piece to that. So great to see Mafuzi Chef cooking it up. One more thing I can say to Maddie quickly. Yeah. Happy New Year, Maddie. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah, well, thank you. By the, by the way, when I see you in May, I expect the same thing. You'll get it, buddy. <laughs> May long weekend. Uh, we're hungry for a game. Have a great call. See you, buddy. All right, thanks so much. Have a great one, guys. Uh, you can see Matty D, Alvin Williams, and the entire crew here on Sportsnet get you set for the Bucks and the Raptors, as we have said a bunch of times. Important one. We'll take one last break, get you to Raptors Central. Kenny sticking around. Jesse Rubinoff will get us to game time as we'll discuss some of the massive numbers NBA stars have been putting up of late. And maybe I'll show you where your Christmas present is. Oh, yes, finally. Actually, oh, Pete Lakers on the network, too.
Our goal here on Tim and Friends is to have your game day start with us. And that game today is the Bucks and the Raptors. Raptors Central coming up in minutes, followed by the game right here on Sportsnet and Sportsnet One. We've also got the Heat and the Lakers later tonight on Sportsnet One. It is game time, so let's focus in on the games you will be watching tonight. The Toronto Raptors hosting Giannis and the Bucks at Scotiabank Arena. The Greek Freak is coming off a career-high 55-point performance last night against the Wizards. It was his third game with at least 40 points and 10 rebounds. Giannis's 55-point game happened just one night after Donovan Mitchell dropped 71 on the Bulls. They're just the latest monster individual performances we've seen in the NBA over the last week or so, including Luka Doncic recording the first 60-point, 20-rebound triple-double in league history, and LeBron James scoring 47 on his 38th birthday. So, Tim, how do you explain all of these crazy stat lines? I know a lot of like the NBA insiders or the nerds, as Kenny would say, Analytics people. are talking about take fouls and how that's increasing fast break points and increasing the ability to shoot yeah. free throws, yeah. blah, blah, blah. That is a little bit of a factor, but Kenny also is a sports dad man. And I think he yeah. can attest to the fact that players are just better yep. than they were back in the day. And I think that if you talk to players who played back in the day and compare themselves to those who play now, they know that the players are better. Uh, you also won't get beheaded if you try to drive to the basket. Anymore. Correct. And you won't get beheaded if you're trying to drive to the net. That's it, true. The games, the games have all changed. changed and allowed the talent to shine through. And the coaches trust their better players more than they ever have in the past to just go out there. Like, there was like two or three guys when we were growing up that would be allowed to shoot as much as right. we're Listen, seeing right now. Luca Bob, Bob and Cooper. Spider. And Dr. Bob Cooper, our high school coach, if you launched a three, you were on the bench. Bob <laughs> was all about working at the paint, and then he like head fake like 58 right. times. That right. was what Dr. Bob was all about. And now kids in like AAU ball are launching Launch. like 10 threes a game. I saw a story today going around about how uh, the old half basket shots at mm. basketball games. It's like, we got to get rid of these because people are draining them because they're <laughs> attempting them. Like right. he, Normal people are just putting it up yeah yeah without a doubt yeah the numbers are just crazy like uh, it's the 14th time someone has dropped 50 plus this season it's already tied for seventh most in, in a NBA season season wow yeah, that's crazy and 10th time an NBA player has scored 50 or more in a game in the last month that's more than all but 18 full NBA seasons <laughs> so scoring has been insane I did I misspoke before it Giannis's third straight game with at least 40 points and right. team 10 rebounds so he's on a year for sure. All right, not only is Giannis one of the best players in the NBA, he's also one of the best interviews. I love the personality that he brings to the table. I don't know why Americans don't love him more. Uh, maybe because he came over from another country. I have no idea. But over the past couple of seasons, his dad jokes have taken, they've taken him to a new level, at least in this old man's body. Uh, here's a little taste. Why did the football coach went to the bank? You guys know what? Quarterback. Why did the football coach go to the bank? Yeah, go to the bank. The bank. The bank. Okay, that's a quarterback. To get quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Would you call a cow on the floor? Anybody know? Ground beef. <laughs> Why did the orange lose the race? 
Somebody gonna ask why? Somebody gonna say why? I don't know why. <laughs> he ran out of juice. <laughs> what do you call a fake noodle? A impasta. <laughs> when the cows go out, where do they go? Anybody know? To the movies. <laughs> <laughs> It was bad. It was bad. My bad. <laughs> Sometimes they're bad, they're good. Kenny. I love how much he enjoys it. That's you, what it's all about. That, that is exactly what it's all about. I if like you see him laughing, I, I'm good with it. I like the quarterback dad joke because I knew that one. Yeah, how did nobody in the room kind of disappoint showing from yeah, the It's the media. We're not the right. <laughs> <laughs> we are a dumb person's person. Yeah, we are. I remember doing uh, dad jokes of the day. What's your favorite dad joke? The, the quarterback one. I knew uh, that one. I, 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 I like the Yo Mama jokes better, to be honest. My little guy was telling Yo Mama jokes to Gus the Barber. I FaceTimed him today, and my guy Langdon told him uh, three Yo Mama jokes. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Can we repeat any of them on there? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> He's soon to be eight years old. He can say them. In this, uh, this environment, probably not. No. I'll save you. We'll go to the next story here. The Lakers host the, the One Heat. One had KFC involved. In, Later that's awesome. tonight on Sportsnet 1, LeBron James will bleed, not baby. play. Due no. to a non-COVID related illness, LeBron has scored 40 plus points in back-to-back -back games after celebrating his 38th birthday on Friday. Meanwhile, Miami's Kyle Lowry has struggled immensely this season, putting up some of the worst statistics of his career at the age of 36. Tim, do you think Lowry has anything left in the tank? Yes, but the regular season doesn't matter. Like, I, I think that we'll see what he's got when it matters most, but you could see at the end of his Raptors career that it wasn't the same. The thing is about champions, about people that have been there and done that, and I'll say the exact same thing about Freddie Van Vliet, who is the lowest qualified field goal percentage on this list, Kyle yeah. Lowry. Not, when it matters most, you're always going to give them the opportunity to bust out of whatever they have, and usually those guys find it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's the end for Kyle Lowry. Yeah. This is the end, my only friend. Who sang that, Tim? I should have known it. They had a movie and all that stuff. Yeah, and he was in Wayne's World, too. Yeah, I'm, not a, a, I'm not a real big uh, That's a good movie. Mel Kilmer was pretty good in that movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, Warriors host the Pistons tonight. He's better in McGruber. Did you see <laughs> Did you see the video <laughs> of Draymond Green nope. and Clay Thompson not? from Monday's The Game? Again? Listen, it went viral today because people couldn't see the ball transfer from Draymond Green to Clay Thompson. We'll credit John Boy. I didn't Boyd. see that either. Yeah. Watch one more time, see if you can see it. Nope. Okay, watch one more time, see if you can see it. Nope. Okay, watch closely, see if you can see it. Nope. <laughs> Does the ball magically go from Draymond Green to Clay Thompson? When did Ravine start playing in the NBA? <laughs> is, is Ravine your uh, your East Coast uh, oh, magician? Oh yeah, Ravine's the impossibleist. So Coming what? This, this spring to Halifax, Sydney, and Picto, the man they call Ravine. It's a bounce pass that was hidden oh, by, by the, the leg camera. of the leg. Clay Thompson. You want to see your Christmas present? Quick. Oh, yeah. Sebi, you got five me. seconds. Follow you got five me. seconds. Quick. Let's Six right seconds. Over here. Look, look. All right. Uh, I'll put it up for you. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Right there. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. Cameraman, zoom, zoom in. What the hell is it? Picto minor <laughs> hockey. <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. I appreciate it. By the way, Pascal Siakam will join us tomorrow. Raptors Central is coming up next, heading into the 
Raptors and Bucks, in fact, a doubleheader. Heat and Lakers will follow. Thanks, Kenny. Sew that on your blazer if you'd like. Would you like me to put that on the side? Yeah, okay. Yeah, awesome.